Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers' Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, liking the Writer's Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! This is a great group. I'm so happy to have you guys here. I'm glad it all worked out, and I'm glad to talk to you. Let's go around, starting with you, Amanda. Please introduce yourself and tell us uh, where we may have seen your name on television. Okay. Uh, my name is Amanda Lasher, and you would have seen my name on Gossip Girl, uh, The Class, Togetherness, and most recently, Sweet Vicious. Thank you for being here. Jen? Uh, Jen Caton Robinson, and you would see my name on Sweet Vicious. David Casp. Um I want a Razzie. Uh, Congratulations. Congratulations. That's where you would have most likely seen my name. What did you I'm win a Razzie, Razzie for? I won Razzie into the Egotter. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not a Regot? Uh, I guess yeah. a Regot, yeah. yeah. That, that's more of a word, I guess. Um, I, uh, I wrote a movie that got away from me, I guess, is all I can say. Uh, and I created a show called Happy Endings that uh, some people, very very small group of people like. Come on. Um, and, Jen and I are raising right oh, Thank you very much. Uh, uh, and a show called Marry Me. and um, Which also people like. I don't know. You know, people didn't seem to... Uh, Come on. The most heartbreaking thing was the people that really liked Happy Endings didn't seem to like me. Really? I don't know. I mean, who knows? That's crazy. Um, I liked it. I and liked it, too. It came up, Happy Endings, right off the bat, felt like it had a very strong voice, and all the characters had very distinct voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the same thing about Sweet Vicious, is just watching that pilot, you know who these characters are and what they sound like. I feel like joining the writing staff of either of these shows uh, would be something of an easy job in that respect, that the characters have such distinct voices. Was this something, and we'll start with Happy Endings, but was this something that was sort of developed into it? Is this just your natural writing style? Did it come from the actors and then rewriting? How did the the show and the characters start to find their voice? Probably a lot of all of that, in that, like... I mean, that was the first TV script or show I had ever pitched or written, so... um, 
I had done movies, but um, as I said, not so successfully. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're really gonna dwell on that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, um, and. Uh, Actually, I wrote happy endings at the apartment that I rented from Amanda's uh, parents. <laughs> That's so it's a magical um, apartment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lucky little place. Um, not so much on the movie front, but on the, uh, no. I uh, so it was the first one I wrote. I kind of made some choices as to who the characters were, but then in casting it, I was very quickly. It was the first thing that I had ever been in in casting for, and my mm. instinct, which I'm sure you guys have experienced, is like you immediately start to feel like, oh, none of this is funny, none of this is good, because you just see a 100 people come in and it's not good, and that's not a knock on them at all. But then, so I started to really feel like, oh, I have to rewrite this whole thing. And then one person would come in and be really funny um, with the exact same stuff, and so then you would just kind of feel like, oh, you just need funny people. So that kind of is was, was my goal and um, has been since. And then... Sometimes you would kind of like move them around. It's like that guy's awesome for this part, but we don't. Ha- we have a second choice for that part, but we don't have a second. We don't have a first choice for this one. So let's put him there. And Did like Adam, pa- Adam Pally came in for the for Dave, the mm-hmm. which I mean I can't believe I named a character after myself, but was <laughs> my very first. <laughs> script as I TV script yeah did not occur to me either because no one calls me Dave everyone calls me David really but uh, anyway so uh, he had come in for that but was so funny and kind of more perfect for the other parts and then we moved him to Max um, <laughs> and yeah so then the actors largely you know I mean their take on it would kind of like guide you towards how you would um, you know what they would be funniest doing and then but there were a few that were not uh, like we didn't really have Alicia Cuthbert's character Alex in the pilot she gets left at the altar so she basically just apologizes like hmm. 30 times in the pilot which is like you don't really know who someone is it, it, they always say I guess with characters and stuff when you're writing it's like you don't know who a character is normally if they're in an extreme situation so in going forward we had to figure it out and that's where you have like 12 amazing people like Hillary and uh, I don't think Lon was there at the beginning mm-hmm. but I'll give him I'll still give him credit. <laughs> sure, the show didn't everybody find sit to around, two, and, right? yeah. <laughs> and then I think Josh Bicell, uh, who's a great writer, I think said, "Make her stupid," and, and <laughs> sort of in that way that uh, uh, weathered uh, guy that's written on a lot of sitcoms said, "It's like right. here's a way we can do it. Let's make her stupid." Yeah, and we didn't make her stupid. We made her like sort of optimistic and naive, and that's how we found her. So it's, it's just a little bit of like actors, group of writers. And some of, you know, some of my ideas from the beginning, I hope. Yeah, I, without going too much into it, because I, I do want to talk about the same thing for Sweet Vicious, but did you write the show and then pitch it? Did you pitch it, then write it? I pitched my, I, my agents had called me, uh, no big deal, I have representation, <laughs> and uh, they called me, and... Uh, which they rarely did back then, and said, uh, do well, you want... Seen your movies. <laughs> they had seen my movies. Uh, do, do you want to pitch a TV show? And I didn't really know anything about it, but I had what I thought was, like, the best idea ever for a TV show. And I went out, and they set up a week of pitches to producers, and literally one sentence in, they said... Every producer was like, oh, that's been pitched out a lot, which I think is something that a lot of writers, like, 
don't know breaking in, especially to television more even than movies, because they develop so much stuff that there's like all these ideas that are incredibly tired ideas that have actually never even made it onto television, which was something that I didn't know about, which is like there's all these ideas that they're like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. It's been done too many times, even though it's never actually made it onto TV every year. Like some, you know, there's like 30 scripts of that. So this was four divorced guys uh, living at the Oakwoods, like a divorced dad type mm-hmm. place, like the Oakwoods, which I thought, you know, would be funny, but literally every producer down the line just, and at first I was like, well, I'm sure it's just like just this one guy, <laughs> just this one woman, but everyone said it. So then I got to the weekend and I had one more meeting or no, two more meetings on Monday. And I just like went through anything I could think of. And I had just that cold open, which ended up getting cut out of the pilot, which was um, a guy, Basically starting on the guy who's going to run to break up a wedding, following him, have him break up the wedding, and then when they run off, stay with the guy who gets left. But we cut out, eventually cut out the whole beginning and just started on. That's really interesting. Yeah, so then I pitched that to Jamie Tarsus and a guy named Todd Milliner who ran, Mm -hmm. who I think still runs uh, Sean Hayes' company. And they both liked it, so okay, yeah. good. Well, we'll we'll get into that in a minute. But again, yeah, I feel like I've been talking for seven hours. <laughs> no, this is all good stuff, and also that's why we're here. Um, I want to ask sort of the same question about Sweet Vicious and how clear those voices were from the start, and and you know how much was by design, how much was the work of it, and then how much was sort of discovered along the way, uh, especially once you got involved too, Amanda. Uh, I think with Jules and Ophelia, there it was pretty there originally, um, and I think the characters that we discovered in the room were more. And Kennedy, I feel like, was there, um, but Harris and Tyler and like the surrounding. I feel like all of that was kind of like big stuff that we broke in the room, but. Like, going back to, like, the audition process, there were days when I was like, this is a bad script. I was like, this is a bad script, and I'm a bad writer, and, yeah. like, no one's going to make it good because it's not good, and that's why this isn't working. That's <laughs> exactly how um, I felt. And there, there were, like, a couple lines that I, when I saw the character, like, when I was like, oh, my God, someone reading Harris. Because, like, there's, like, the there's, singing. yeah, so don't write singing into a scene that's an audition scene. I did that. Uh it's so painful. The worst. It's the worst. And it, it's, it's something that got... It was something that, like, also was always going to get cut because it was him putting the name Ophelia into Cecilia by... Sure. <laughs> like, right. It's You're never, not, you can't afford that. No! <laughs> yeah. Like, no! <laughs> and I didn't know that, so I was just like, this will be funny. And then, <laughs> like, six people in, I was just like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> um, and it's just like, and it's also just like, and making people sing in an audition without music, it's just like, it's so cruel. It's so cruel. It's, it's so, so awful. Cruel. And it's cruel to us having to hear, like, the whole sure. thing. Yeah, the really whole hard. thing is, the whole thing was, uh, was bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, like, the Harris character was originally, like, just like a Jew. <laughs> just like a Jewy guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then we kind of, Brandon uh, Michael Smith was brought to us, and it was not how we saw the character, but the minute he his name was brought up and, like, we were like, that's yeah. it. We knew him from You're the Worst, and we really yeah. liked him. And then we sat down with him, and he was just so charming and so dynamic that the minute we met him, all of a sudden, his character just, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. completely got reconceived in our brain. So Harris was completely reconceived for Brandon. I mean, not completely. He was always a law student. He was always... Right. But it was like, there were so many things that, like, he just... It, we switched it over and made yeah. it, you know, a, something that I think is so much more powerful and so much more interesting than... 
Jew. Um, <laughs> well, let's not throw the baby out. <laughs> um, you've just seen that guy. Um, you know. I am that guy. Yeah. <laughs> see him every day. Yeah, you just um, look in the can't mirror. Can't stand him. Yeah. See him was, every morning. Was this, again... Uh, did you write before pitching? How, uh, yeah, I had... It felt I like had, it was a spec that took on a life of its own. Yeah, so I wrote a spec, um, and it went out to... the. It's kind of an unconventional story. So I wrote this spec. Um, it was an hour long, and they were 25, 26, like full vigilante murderers living in Williamsburg, and it flashed into their origin story in college. Hmm. So that was my original spec. It was called Little Darlings. Hi, <laughs> Little Darlings. Um, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, it was out to producers, and one of the producers that had read it, not someone that I went with, like was on the phone with MTV and was like, you got to read this show. Hmm. So MTV called my manager. I only had a manager at the time, not even an agent. Mm-hmm. Called my manager and was like, can we read this? And he was like, I'll slip it to you, but like, we don't have a producer. Like We're not done yet, but you can read it. And I was in Mina Lefebvre's office the next day or like two days later, wow. and she was like, we, what can we do to get this show? caveat we only want to do college hmm. so the only other so I attached Stacy Share, and then the only other place that read it was FX because she had a first look deal there hmm. they passed and then it went right to MTV um, wow that's, that's insane. That's literally, everybody. <laughs> that's unheard of. The dream. Every person uh, listening to this is angry at you. Um, yeah. Or inspired by you. Well, yes, <laughs> wait till we tell you about what's happening now. Uh, <laughs> well, sure. Uh, but so it went 10 well, this, let me Let me interrupt for one second. Um, and I apologize. I'm going to no, interrupt no, no. all of you to kind of go deeper on some of this stuff. But. Uh, I'm less curious in the uh, sort of uh, the inspiration for the story than I am in why. Why tell it in that way? Why tell it as they're in their 20s and use the flashbacks? Why was that the way to tell this story to you? I I know this is probably a while ago already. Yeah, no, I think that for me, I wanted to do something that I hadn't seen on television. And I wanted to put, like, I wanted to see more of, like, myself in it. And I, you know, like, I just was so far away. I didn't even go to Mm -hmm. college. And I was so far away from that age. Like, I wanted to do something about, that was more about, like, you know, like, all of the things that you deal with in your 20s but set against this backdrop mm-hmm. of, like, they're vigilante murderers. Um, uh, so that's kind of why it was, like, I conceived it that way. And it was, you know, you know issues that women deal with and that female, fr- like, that you deal with in female friendships. Like, the original cold open of the pilot, Ophelia, uh, Jules comes home and she's pissed at Ophelia because Ophelia's torturing a guy in their den and <laughs> Jules is like, it's Sunday night and the good wife is on. And like, I've told you like 600 times, don't do this when the good wife is on. Um, so that, like, it's like a roommate fight, mm-hmm. but she's, there's a man that's like bound and gagged in their it's den. Really He's a bad guy. But, <laughs> um, so, you know, that was what was interesting to me. And like, the characters were. They were darker. They were more mm-hmm. fucked up because they had been doing this for so long. So, And then you got to see how they met in college. Um, but I really, I truly believe that it's like putting the show in college and having that ecosystem. And, you know, then when, you know, Amanda and I got in the room together and we really started, like, building the world of Darlington and of the college campus, I genuinely, like, I think that we're able to do so much more with what it is now than we would have if it was just, like, New York and, what, like, if it was mm-hmm. just that kind of setting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You don't need, like, we we can have our own 
yeah. kind of reality. Yeah, for sure. And so, Amanda, how did you get uh, roped into this? And uh, what, what were you doing at the time? I was working on Togetherness, okay. um, but we had finished up, and we didn't. We hadn't heard yet about season three. And the um, and Jen's script got sent to me and said, you know, they're looking for a showrunner for this. And um, I read the script, and it was just I just fell in love with it. Like I just loved the voices, I loved the story, and I just remember being on my couch and just like jumping up and being like, "Oh, this is so good! Like I like it. So, I just like I love it." But then also just like my heart sinking, being like, "But it's so much work, <laughs> <laughs> so many nights, it's like every slug line said night." Um, yeah, no one on the crew. Everyone hated me. They hated me. <laughs> um, but I, no, I just loved it. I just loved the script. I thought mm-hmm. it was really smart. And it kind of it blended comedy and drama in a way that I just really love. And um, so when I read it, I really wanted to meet with Jen, and I wanted to to check it out. Did you read the? Had you already rewritten it into just the college thing yeah. that you read? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I read it. It was Go a ahead. half hour. Was it was a, really? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm sorry. It's, it was a half hour, and yeah. it was only and it only took place in college. It was a half hour. Um, yeah, yeah. We shot it. We shot it as a half hour pilot, and then when they picked up the series, they asked us to make it an hour. I rewrote it. Yeah, I had to change it from an hour long. When they bought it, they were like, "Okay, make it a half hour in college." So I made it a half hour in college, and we shot that. I developed that for like th- three months with Stacy and MTV, mm-hmm. and then then it got picked up pilot, and that's when Amanda came on, and. So she read the half-hour version, and then we shot it, and then they were like, great, but we want it to be an hour again, but all college. And that was, it seems like that was just the MTV mandate, is they decided they weren't doing half-hours. No, because they had two. They made Mary and Jane and Nicole Byer. Um, But this show would have died as a half-hour. How was it different to you as a half-hour? I... I'll put it to you this way. When I watched the director's cut of the pilot, I started hysterically crying and called Stacy and Amanda both. And I was like, no one's going to understand what this show's about. I was like, it's too fast. I was like, no, you, there's, you don't get any of it. But I kept saying, like, director's cut are always going to always gonna break your heart. This yeah. Was, this was... Uh, and it wasn't the director. It wasn't cut, the director. Yeah. It wasn't right. the cut. It was the fact that, like, all, like, it just... 20, you can't tell the story about mm-hmm. a nuanced you know, rape survivor in 22 minutes. It was whiplash. It just went so fast. Nothing sunk in. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were really happy to have the opportunity to pull it out and be able to go deeper and actually tell the story the way I think it was meant to be told. So what did you see Hmm. when you came on board? What did you see uh, your job as? Um, (laughs) For me, I just... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, when I met with Jen and I realized... Um, how, how little you had done in the TV world of like none zero know, zero. <laughs> um, I just you don't very, have to be nice zero. <laughs> for me, I had seen marriages between showrunners and creators, and I had been in a development situation as a as a creator um, with some more seasoned showrunners, mm-hmm. and I. Um, after I met Jen and I realized just how smart she was and how much um, of a handle that she had on what her show was, I really felt that I was there to um, help guide that and just Mm -hmm. sort of lead her through the process, be a consigliere, and build the show with her. Um, And that was... I, I did not... 
I, I felt that what she wanted to do and her handle on it was so strong that we would move in that direction. I didn't have any interest in changing it and turning it into something sure. that it wasn't because I felt that what it was was so perfect. Um, and that's what it was. And, and yeah, it seems great. like you did. That's great. Yeah. And so that leads me to ask you, David, um, since you sold happy endings. Mm-hmm. You hadn't done TV. You were sort of in a similar position. Honestly, identically. Um, Were uh, you put with a showrunner? How did it start to work? After I that? was uh, about like halfway through the uh, through the casting process. I think so. I think it had been greenlit, and we had the Russo brothers, um, and we had, and I was Jamie Tarsus is who I had mm-hmm. pitched it to. Um, and we were, like, a little bit into casting. They brought in some showrunners for me to meet. And the first one was a guy named Jonathan Groff, who now is doing basically the same thing on Blackish, Blackish yeah. with uh, Kenya. Um, or I'm assuming same thing. I mean, he's an EP there. But Kenya had definitely had more experience than me. Um, but it was also, it was still his first scripted show. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, I it probably so. is the same thing. Um, and I, of course, grew up a huge Conan fan. And, and so, Groff was the first guy I met. And I just really loved him and, <clears throat> and loved, you know, Conan, obviously. And he was the head writer there for a while. And um, so, it was sort of immediate. I didn't meet anyone else. Um and we just happened to get along great. And it wasn't until later that I realized that this relationship that you guys seem to have um, is completely the exception <laughs> from everything that I've heard. Is like traditionally, like you don't really get along with the showrunner you get paired with and all that. You know, I mean, it's tough to, especially if it is your first TV thing, which it was mm-hmm. mine as well. Like I was used to coming from features or or even writing specs or something where like it's just you. Like you don't work with anybody else. Like it is a it is a huge adjustment to work with a, a not just another sh- you know showrunner, but to work with a writers' room. I had never done that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I want to get into that in a minute. Did you have now? Like by the way, cannot work without a writers' room. Which is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I pitch movies like, and I'm like, we should get a writers' room. Yeah. And they're like, no. <laughs> I don't know why they don't. It seems like they're starting to do that more. Yeah, but yeah and like especially for comedy, dollars. I'm like, yeah. anything I write alone now, I'm just like, wow, this will only be ten percent as funny or as good. Sure. As with the room, because no one can write that amount of jokes, you know. I mean, a few people, but but I am not one of those. Like, yeah. And you, it's so people. lonely, and it's so lonely. <laughs> it's so lonely, and you get so weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Time. Uh, did you have as clear an idea of happy endings as as Jen seemed to have about Sweet Vicious? No, <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I. Like, looking back on it, I wanted to... I mean, it was also a different time, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, premium television was... There was no Netflix or anything like that, so it was a... Um, I don't know. I guess I sort of felt like I wanted to make a show that kind of reflected more... Like, at, at the time, most kind of groups of friends on TV were all white and straight, so I my, like, general thought in creating the show was to do a show that more reflected, you know a normal group of friends like I don't really know anyone who's like full group of friends is all like (laughs) you know like five super good looking white people um so uh so yeah so that was sort of my initial thing um and uh yeah and then we tried to do it but then also yeah as far as like tone 
Um, I probably like started it a little more realistic, um, but I of course was or more grounded. But I of course was like a huge fan of Thirty Rock and The Simpsons growing up and stuff like that. Hmm. And I had a couple friends, the Libman brothers, who you should have on there. Great, um, they uh, that I grew up with that I hired that I hired on the show, and it was I think they had maybe just broken in with they were on Metalocalypse, I think. Oh sure. Um, and then they uh, and so this was their first job too, but it was great having them there because I had like two people that I really trusted that um, we had the same sensibility, but they definitely, like, really helped shape the show, too, and, like, going um, a little jokier, and then some of the other people in the room also. Um, and so then I started, like, as... And seeing how funny, like, we just really got lucky in that, like, Adam Pally, that was his first show, and he was, you know, it was so funny. And um, Damon Waynes Jr., that was his first show, and... Yeah. Um, Casey coming off SNL, I think that was basically her first like show like that. Yeah. Um, and Eliza was great, and you know, and then we found Zach Knighton, who hadn't done a lot of comedy, who was really funny. And then Alicia mm. surprisingly like turned into like one of our biggest hitters. Uh, but yeah, the cast was just so funny, and 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 it felt uh, like I don't know. We just started leaning into like being weirder, and weirder, I <laughs> sure, guess. as weird as you can be on like ABC, but. Um, yeah, initially we were on at like ten o'clock at night, and they just like did not what? care about us. Yeah, we premiered at ten, back to back at ten and ten thirty. Weird. Like in April, it was like what a vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it was, and it's funny because there were a lot of people in the room who had been on so many, you know, had developed mm-hmm. and worked on so many shows for so many years uh, that they were just like, oh yeah, this is like don't decorate your office, like this is it. <laughs> yeah. It's nice, nice knowing you guys. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, it's it's interesting to me the sort of dynamic that it sounds like at least you guys have gone through, uh, and Amanda, you sort of came up in TV so didn't have this, but going from writing on your own mm-hmm. to all of a sudden being surrounded by ten people, and I think there are writers who can either sink or swim with that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen so many, especially in the past five years or so, feature writers who get shows who then don't know how to handle a room. But it sounds like you guys... For one, you were paired with great showrunners to yeah. help you. But talk to me about breaking story in that way. And I'm curious to hear from you, Amanda, about shows that you came up with that sort of taught you how to run a show. Yeah. Uh, you know, where, where did the good ideas come from? Where do the good ideas come as from? As far as showrunning. Oh, um, I mean, you know, I've been lucky to work with some showrunners who were so wonderful and had such a strong handle on the room and for me um i mean david crane was amazing and um uh jared stern who i actually had just worked with very briefly he did um green eggs and ham for netflix which hasn't come out yet but Mm -hmm. he was wonderful i mean so many of the showrunners i've worked with have been great but um whenever somebody had sort of like a real sense of where they were going and a plan um and treated people respectfully and like made the writers room a safe space i always felt that i thrived in those places Mm -hmm. and so for me that was always what i wanted to do um and then of course you have the showrunners who (laughs) are really adept at making people feel really uncomfortable and um eating even more than usual and so (laughs) i just tried to avoid that situation um but it was also it was it was interesting because i had just come off of togetherness which was working with jay and mark and it was their first foray into tv and so when we started on togetherness 
like we had lots of conversations about how to build a series, how to build mm-hmm. a season. Um, and so it kind of gave me, even though I'd been in rooms before and talked about that so many times and had built seasons so many times, just sort of being with them and talking through it through a season for the first time in such sort of like fundamental basic way mm-hmm. um, actually really prepped me really well for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, and then y- you guys are in this odd position of having created a show but not being the most seasoned writer, TV writer on it. So what do you have to learn in that situation about writing with a group? I mean, for me, in the beginning it was a lot of... Uh, a man like having a good teacher mm-hmm. is I I have to say like the the was the biggest thing for me like having Amanda at the end of the day be like listen and not in a way that was like mean or bullied like she just be like listen like me. when you do this in the room like because because it's like not only are, do you have like did I have like the least experience well some of the least experience because we had staff writers mm-hmm. but I was the person that people were looking to to kind of guide the story because it was my brainchild so. You know, she was like, when you do this, like, it, like, the writers, like, that's not the best way to get this and, like, X, Y, Z out of the writers. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was so much, it was, like, so nurturing. And she was so wonderful with, like, guiding me but never making me feel like a dick. (laughs) Except, like, a couple times that she was just like, put your fucking phone down. Um, (laughs) um, Which, good um, Yeah, no, she was just like, I would, like, literally pick it up and I would just feel her eyes and I was like, no. And I would put it down. (laughs) Um, But, um... Yeah, she was so great. So it's like if any, if like anyone writes a show and you can have Amanda as your showrunner, <laughs> like that's my b- biggest advice to you. Um, but don't because she's working on this show. Um, uh, but yeah, just that to me, it was about. It's hard because it's like you, or at least I had such a clear thing. I was like, this is what the show is, and so it's. When someone suggests something, like, my initial, and this shouldn't just be me as a person, like, my initial thing is, like, no. And then I would stop and be, like, wait, sorry, yes. Like, (laughs) yes, that is, yes, like, yes, and. (laughs) Like, you have to learn to, like, yes, and people. And that, for me, I think by the end of it, like, I got there and, and, and was better. But, like, the first couple weeks, I was just, it was a lot of, you know, all these things. Because I had to make a Bible, so mm-hmm. that's something that I had to make, and so there's sure. like stuff that I thought like I wanted to make one of the characters a villain, and he just the actor wasn't that type, and like it, mm. we just couldn't do it, and it was something that it was like I held on to that no like no one else like in the history of the show like anyone else on the room wanted. Um, so no, it did it yeah. was it was wrong, and so it was like things like that where I think that you know you have to be open and it's learning Mm -hmm. to be open and it is a process and I tried not to beat myself up and and you know look at it like I was being like I was wrong it's just like you just have to be open to collaboration and that's with everyone because Mm -hmm. it's you know it's there's so many departments and there's so many things that you especially building like the first season of a show which I'm sure you had where it's like they wouldn't wear that or like the you know the production is like there's so many things where you hmm. are kind of thrown into having to be either like very collaborative or like people are like she's an asshole and like I was like I don't want to be an asshole so it's learning to stick to your guns and doing it in a way that everyone feels like they're a part of it sure 
And that was that was yeah, and, for me. and it was nice for us to just be able to you know check in with each other and be like, mm-hmm. are we on track? Are do, you know, are we fulfilling the vision that we have for the show and and um, and and supporting each other through that? Um, but that was you. Like she, Amanda was like, I mean, she, you know, even little things like schedules and like those. It's like we didn't deliver any scripts late, and that's a huge thing. And that's Amanda. Like so, I think that. You know, to have like I would not have known to check in, and that's it. Sounds like something that's like you would like. It's just my home office is chaos. Like there may be a mouse that crawls out of (laughs) the papers on my desk, but when it comes to like having scripts on time and like keeping things moving Mm -hmm. uh, very regimented, like that I can't do it any other way. Otherwise, I get hives and really panic. Well, there's so (laughs) much to keep track of, right? Like. To yes. do one of these shows, yes. there's so many tiny things, and they're all moving forward at the same time. Yeah. yeah. You have to be organized about it. Yes. Um, David, I wanted to ask you. Sure. After three seasons on Happy Endings. Um, we decided to. You decided to go. close it down. <laughs> yeah, we decided to shut it down. We felt we had told the yep, story. Absolutely. It's bold. <laughs> yeah. But you, you called yeah, your shot. Right before syndication. Uh, <laughs> right. right as we had cost. Sony as much money as possible. <laughs> right. It's like literally the most expensive thing you can do is to go three seasons and then get canceled. Good lord. Yeah. Um, what I'm curious to hear about is did you run Marry Me on your own? Essentially, I mean, like, I did I did the same thing that uh actually no. I would okay. I would I would say no to that. Um I did the same thing that I did with Happy Endings because from the beginning Groff, who was so great, um and remains great, uh is it, uh was very much like we're running this show together, like you know, and I found personally like most of the stuff is pretty intuitive. I mean, like you mm-hmm. just are—it's a lot of decisions, but it's like you know, you're a writer and you have a feel for how you want things to go, and then you know they show you some—I'm uh, not oversimplifying—but they show you some clothes, and you feel like, well, which ones you think are better for the you know, and then they show like—and again, I, I'm not saying it's easy because it's that times like one thousand, right. but it's not. You know, it's you give your opinion on stuff, and and so he was very much from the beginning like, look, you're the kind of creative voice of the show. I'm here to show you like how to help run it, and um, and to uh, and then give a ton of creative input as well. Um, and I from the beginning was like, let's be partners on this, and and um, there's so much to do that I then when I got to marry me was like, I want to hire. Uh, you know, an EP or two uh, to to do it with me because mm-hmm. it just is like it's just too much, and it just feels like it's better if you have people that you can delegate. Um, so on Absolutely. that show, uh, we hired a team: uh, Port and Garasio, okay. uh, David Garasio and uh, Moses Port, uh, and they were great. And so it's sort of like just having people. I also like hate being the boss a little bit. It's just not kind of my nature. Um, which is sort of like I'm re-experiencing as, as um, like, a dad. Like, I spent my whole life fighting dads. Like, it's a little weird to be the dad. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit like... Um, and that's my approach in general, honestly, to show running, if I were to, to give unapproaches, is, mm-hmm. uh, is that, like, I don't want to tell people when to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Um, it just seems ridiculous and sure. not my personality and also, like, not super conducive to comedy to, like, have to, like... <laughs> police you know when people are leaving and stuff so the thing that i learned early on and this is a a a tribute to a lot of people groff introduced me to because i also didn't know a lot of tv writers like i brought in a group of my friends 
And then he introduced me to a group of great people who I now am really friends with and, and you know, most of whom have gone on to run their own shows. Um, and they were all so great. And, and I think because Groff is such a good human, I think he works with and attracts only good humans. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I realized early on in the culture of our room was like, if you hire good people, like you don't have to they're not going to try to sneak out to the bathroom when they don't have to go to the bathroom just to get out of the room. And they're not going to take more days off than they should for development. And they're not going to take, they're not going to pretend to be sick to not come in. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of like if you hire good people, they police themselves, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I think in that environment, especially with comedy, you get much better stuff. Like you don't want like any type of authority in a room where everyone's just trying to like joke around and, Uh, do bits until you find the funniest thing. Um, well, it sounds like you're you're also the goal is to create an environment, and you know, in comedy and drama and anything where everybody feels a part of it. And one hundred percent. I mean, and the thing I always say is like, I'm gonna get like it's so. I don't even understand the concept of of um, like uh, not having the best idea wins. Like, I, and now I'm probably sounding. Um, I don't know how I'm sounding, but it's terrible. It's You're not great. I'm terrible. sounding terrible, but I'm saying I'm sounding like, I don't know, like I'm like complimenting myself or something, but, but it's like, why wouldn't you want the best yeah. idea to win no matter who it comes from? Because by the way, like, and this is not selfishly, but like you're the creator of the show. Like your name is on it. <laughs> like you don't need. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Like if someone comes up with a great fucking joke, like why wouldn't you want the show to be better? Um, and all this sounds obvious, but I think there are some people that have ego involved with it. But we would have, you know, our boom mic guy would pitch like a blow to the cold open. That was great. And we'd be like, yeah, let's change it. Like, who cares? Exactly. You know, um, and all our cast was so funny and they would pitch stuff and, you know, um so, yeah, I, I have always found, like, a super inclusive environment where everybody feels like it's their show together as much as it can be. Um, and then, um, I mean, that, that that is one of the weirdest things about a TV room is that it's a bunch of independent contractors who are all trying to go do their own thing, you know, which is a very <laughs> odd thing. Like, yeah. most... Most companies aren't necessarily like filled with the ranks of like everybody who's like <laughs> like a couple times a week going and pitching like their sheet metal company that, like yeah. another you know what I mean so like you have to respect the fact that it's like like yeah not everybody like most people wanna came out here to write their own thing and yeah. do their own thing and and so you respect that and 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 you know try to make this as much their thing as possible but also respect the fact that like they wanna go do their own thing mm-hmm. and that's very healthy there's not an answer well, and there's not funny. one answer to your question I mean Groff has been in a couple times and he's said similar oh, you have things had yeah. and, and it's it's interesting to hear you know that is where this kind of strong comedy can come from and it's where strong storytelling can come from um, I want to hear from you guys and then I kind of want to go back and talk about breaking in stuff but how did you break story on this show how many writers did you have and what was broken in the room <laughs> Um, we had, room. yeah, we had it five writers, including yeah. us. Yeah. Wow. Um, and two of them were staff writers. And two of them were staff writers. Really? Yeah. But to be fair, they were, they were no, two separate. Two separate. They yeah. were fantastic. They, they performed like way above Yeah, way. Yeah, when you have had, five people, you yeah. need Yeah. Had we too. not had them perform at the level, we, we would have been we super fucked. Yeah. Wow. Um, but we, it was interesting because the stories were... It's like it was, we considered it a dark comedy, but it's, I mean, it's about a 
girl who was raped by her best friend's boyfriend and becomes a vigilante and teams up with, like, a weirdo loner, and they become Batmans. So you have these five people. Yeah, five you, and people. And you have this Bible that you're working off of. Yeah, yeah but we sat down because yeah. when we had to pitch... The f- we, we had to pitch out the season mm-hmm. to the network at the beginning. Like, Jen and I sat down, and we just, we picked, you know, places we, that we wanted to hit. Like, right. we knew Blue we, skied it. Yeah, yeah. blue skied it. And uh, <laughs> it was beautiful, beautiful blue sky. Um, and we we landed on areas that, like, we knew we wanted um, episode seven to be a flashback episode. Like, we always knew that. Um and we knew that we wanted certain things for the finale, and so we picked targets to aim for. And it was, for us, the tricky part was there is a procedural element mm-hmm. in the beginning to you know them t- doing these takedowns and finding how that fit in to telling the bigger mm-hmm. story of Jules's arc and what, and what her journey is. Yeah. And I think that it was interesting because it's like, we had, like, there were, the voices in the room really did fit together in a really, really, really nice way. Like, you know, everyone was funny, but, you know, we had uh, Celeste Ballard, who came from, who was, like, Lauren Michaels' assistant for years, mm-hmm. and then she was working at Above Average. That's his, I think that's his digital. Um, so she was a writer there. And then we had Jared Frieder, who's, like, this wonderful, uh, he's a gay writer, and he had written this spec uh, the script three months I was on the blacklist and it was like really heartfelt and emotional but like very funny so it's like they she was more of like a traditional joke writer who had like loved genre and he was more like came from this place where he like was a very grounded you know emotional hmm. writer but was very funny so it's like we had all these voices and then we had um, Scott Beach who was who came from shit I can't remember the show CSI CSI yeah. and the other the other one Oh, I'm blanking on it right now. But he had, he, he had more of a procedural... No, but he, like a... It was another procedural... Yeah, it was yeah. a procedurally show. <clears throat> um, but he had also been... We had a character... He was a supervising producer. Okay. Yeah. Great show, and, Quantum Leap, by the way. But for for us, Scott Beach, he had been a hacker. Like, he knew computers yeah. really well. <laughs> yeah. And so um, for we needed for Ophelia's character. Like, we, like, Jen and I do not know a lot about him. <laughs> I downloaded was, Tor on my computer... <laughs> When I was writing the pilot, so I was like, I should know about this. And I got so freaked out. <laughs> it was so, I like put a thing over my camera. I was just like, Yeah, we like both now have tape over oh, the camera. Yeah. Um, Is that real? I should have that over my camera? Well, I don't know. I don't yes. know. All I know is that too many I'm times. A yes from back there. Too many times I've been working on my computer and all of a sudden the green light is on and I'm like, no, I didn't open up an I didn't open up a program. Why is the camera on? I do what? not know. I do not like it. And so I have tape over it. I you know, I can be a little paranoid sometimes. And the show certainly made me a little more paranoid. Sure. Yeah. Um but he was he was also like our like procedural whisperer. Mm-hmm. So like every time we would get like the network would be like make it crazier or make it you know like go bigger. We would be like beach, <laughs> and then he like pulls me off his butt, and it was like amazing. We're like great, we'll do that. Yeah, because you know I had had the background of like twisting story and OMG mm-hmm. moments from Gossip Girl, but this was on a a whole other level, and also because I had just come off of Togetherness, which was like little moments, <laughs> right. little tiny. Um, I wasn't. I was took me like a while to like flip back into that mindset of like bigger juicy twists, and also. Scott just he really knows the computer world and he has a very good mind for for those twists mm-hmm. and turns. So yeah, he was very very he was helpful. Awesome, but yeah. yeah, our room, the chemistry in the room really, everyone kind of brought a piece that 
you know, we needed. We got so lucky. I mean, we really, really did. Um, We loved our room. They were great. Uh, Good to hear. All right, I want to talk about um, how you guys started getting paid to write things, Um, because I think that is the goal of the listeners. Um, David, let's start with you. How did you break into features in the first place? Uh, I weirdly, like, did uh, visual art my whole life, um, which there's just no way to say visual art without it sounding (laughs) so fucking (laughs) shitty, you know, pretentious. But it's what it is. I've, I've, you know, sort of experimented with different words for it. But, you know, fine art sounds worse, right? It does. does. Fine art sounds worse. (laughs) So... I mean, I could just say painting, but it was also sculpture, you know, sure. and the word sculpture is terrible. So, <laughs> you know, there's not a whole lot you can say about it. Um, but uh, painting and drawing and video art and stuff like that was what I did my whole life. Um, and then I was in New York, uh, Manhattan, no big deal. Doing visual art in New oh, York, you know. You're which a is, nightmare. Yeah, I was basically. <laughs> Basquiat. Um, no, I You're basically uh, the cast of uh, girls. Yeah, I was, was basically like a very Jewish, uh, unsuccessful uh, Basquiat um, uh, with nowhere near the talent. And uh, I was in grad school there, um, and I just started like shifting from painting to video art, and then mm-hmm. I was like writing little things for it um, and then casting like actors in New York to do it and then I was like what am I doing because then I was like then I would have gallery shows where I was like projecting like basically like somewhat comedic like little not shorts but um, definitely not art (laughs) Uh, uh, so and I had a friend out here Jordan Cahan who I've written a couple things with out here uh, who had 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 broken in as a feature writer um and I didn't even know that that was like a job. I know everyone sort of says that, but I really did not no, that's like, an think about that. Like thing that, to like me. people write movies. Yeah. I don't know. I grew up in Chicago, um, and I don't know. It just didn't seem like something you could do. Not that like art was like the easy road, um, but so I don't know. And and I just had always loved movies, and I was in bands as a kid, and um, so like I don't know something about like visual art. And music and writing for that stuff and trying to write, you know, horrible songs, you know, like uh, I heard you say Darlington is the place that it is. I assume that that is not a Bruce Springsteen reference, no, but it should no. be. As much as I love Bruce, it yes, is not. Yes, it should be. I am an enormous Bruce. It should be Darlington County. Um, anyway, uh, so, so. I, that weirdly, like, movies or the idea of, like, writing and directing movies kind of combined all the mm-hmm. things that I was mediocre at into one thing that I thought maybe could be, you know, a combination. Like, you know, like, if you're okay at a bunch of stuff, maybe together it, it becomes something. So I came out here and I wrote a... Uh, like, I came out here, like, I was going to make, like, you know, Wes Anderson movies and stuff like that. And uh, still would love to, but uh, but then wrote a spec feature about... Two uh, competing senseis in uh, Palm Springs. Uh, that Great. that was uh, yeah was was it was actually the true story behind the two kids that um, the Karate Kid was based on. It, I mean, it was made up. There weren't actually uh, two kids that it was based on, but the, so it was Daniel Larusso and uh, and uh, Johnny Lawrence 
20 years later at their high school reunion. Um, and they obviously hate each other now because they had actually gotten in that fight as kids. And, and <laughs> you know, Johnny swept the leg and, and broke his knee and all that. Anyway, I don't know why I'm pitching. I want someone out there to make it. But Please. anyway, so. I would watch that. Yeah, I feel like that's a movie, right? Yeah. I don't know. You were 20 years ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Creed. <laughs> it's Creed. It is legitimately right. Creed. Um, and, um, let me just stop yeah. you for a second. Okay, sure. Um, was it through your friend who had was already out here that you even knew how to do this? Like, that you knew what a screenplay looked like? 100%. Okay. I started writing um, and uh, sent it to him, and he's like, this, there is no story in this at all. <laughs> like, I wrote, uh, the first thing I wrote, uh, sorry, before this, the thing that, like, I learned how to write on was more that, like, very classic um like Jewish, you know, the script that every fucking Jewish guy writes, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I love being a Jew. I don't mean to sound anti-Semitic, but I'm saying like, you know, that coming of age, like back, it's Thanksgiving weekend and you're back and the girl, you know, that, that got away in high school, she's back, but she's with the, you know, like that's just horrible. It is alarming to me that those still get made even. They do like get every made few years, right? one yeah. of these yeah. gets made. They get written more than they get made for I'm, sure, no and doubt. it's like it's that classic, just horrible thing. And and so my friend Jordan, who's been my friend since we were little, um, uh, he read it and he's like, "There is no story here, but it you definitely seem like you." Like, it's good in some way. I don't know how <laughs> truthfully he saw anything in it, but. Uh, you know, and then to his credit, like he just would sit with me, and he had already been selling stuff. So I mean, he hmm. never should have done it, but would sit with me and just kind of give me copious, copious notes on like everything from like formatting to you know um, story. And That's and fair. while I was doing that, I would kind of keep rewriting that script, and it just kept getting worse, which is just sort of the nature of that first thing. And then while I was doing that. There was that freedom of like I had this idea for this sensei thing and and um, and then so starting over, which is like the advice they give writers always, like especially when you're starting, is like instead of rewriting the first script ten times, like write ten scripts, you know. So in starting that second one, it immediately I was like, oh, like now I can set up the you know so-called inciting incident on like page three instead of like taking this like 150 page like <laughs> fucking sad opus where I've like written in the lyrics of all these different fucking songs you know what I'm talking about and, and try to like then craft that into an inciting right. incident you know what I mean like it was just very freeing to start over so I started over and that one came out much easier and um, and then I just got crazy lucky that I had a uh, uh, I mean now it's gonna everyone's just gonna say nepotism but I had a, a close friend whose mom was a manager and she um she read it and liked it and sent it to producers and and uh, and one liked it and gave me notes and then they sent it to buyers and one place literally one place bought it some summit mm-hmm. which is yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. Them, yeah. and uh, and yeah and then that, then I got agents and everything like that and um, yeah it was crazy but you do look back and it was like one producer of like the 30 that read it mm-hmm. responded and then sure. one buyer of the 30 that looked at it wanted, wanted you only to buy one it. Exactly. Yeah. I, tell, I say those people all totally. the time yeah, yeah. Oh, do you ever go back sorry no please do you ever show. go back and have you ever read the, that first thing I don't think I could do it <laughs> I don't think I could do it do you want to do a reading of it uh, no but that would actually be very funny like first scripts because they're oh, probably yeah, mine was uh, 
Oof, that was bad. I uh, like the karate one, although I'm sure if I reread it, it would be full of just like bad, you know, jokes that everybody does. Like I just threw up a little in my mouth, right. you know, like that. Kind of shit. Well, at the time, though, no. yeah, at the no time, no one had thrown up no in their mouths. <laughs> no I think vomit jokes are timeless. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sure, there are certain uh, universal truths. Yeah, um, I think there are a couple of important important lessons in that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is, as you said, like just write. You know, the way to learn how to do this is to write and write and write. Nobody knows. That was the biggest thing and the biggest advice I give is, like, it's not like there's, like, all these people out there that, like, I mean, some people go to school for it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're better at it no. than other people. And and it's a little bit like the show running thing. Like, it is intuitive a little bit. If you love movies and mm-hmm. watch a bunch of movies, like, you can try to write a movie. It doesn't mean it will work, but, I mean, it's largely, I would bet, 90 plus percent of like writers just started doing it you know and and you read the books like i read all those books and those helped a lot and and then like i said i had a friend who was right right, who now i'm i were actually doing a pilot together now that's great uh and i think the other the other good piece of advice there which you know you said sounded like nepotism but i don't think it is is use all those contacts that you have tell everybody what you want to do and and what you're you're looking for because you never know the person who can respond and get you that job yeah yeah uh let's let's go over to you uh you grew up here yeah i grew up here and my parents are literary agents (laughs) but as opposed to the uh, nepotism (laughs) situation uh my parents hate writers like (laughs) that's not fair that's not fair they uh they represented like novels and nonfiction, and um actually a lot of cookbooks when i was growing up they represented a lot of chefs in la which was um but like my whole life was like my parents like turning off phones and having unlisted numbers and barricading the door to keep from writers (laughs) from getting to them (laughs) um but uh and so i was i always loved to write but i was like no i can't be a writer because that would just be terrible (laughs) um and then I went to New York and I worked at Miramax and I was an assistant to the senior executive vice president of production. I mean, it was like the title was so long sure. and I was so unhappy and I just, I hated it so much. Um, what, what were your, you were an assistant. Yes. Uh, what were your duties? What did you hate so much? Um, I mean, rolling calls mm-hmm. um, and then also I get names confused all the time <laughs> and so I remember I had my mo- my boss was um, he had produced this movie called The Paul Bearer and mm-hmm. he was David Schwimmer <laughs> we all remember yeah. this is a great story tell, the, tell the story tell the story I can't believe this is coming out now um, but uh, basically he had produced this movie called The Paul Bearer and then he had gotten a job as an executive at Miramax and they were having press screenings for it, and agents were calling and putting their names on the list. And so I, um, I'm, like, getting all hot and sweaty, <laughs> retelling this, like, I'm there. Um, and I was writing down the names of the agents, and it was, like, Joe Cohen and someone Roth. And I wrote down, and then I went to him, and I said... Joe Roth wants to come to a press screening of a pallbearer, and at the time, Joe Roth had been president of Disney, <laughs> and he, like, my boss, like, flipped out. He's like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And so he 
wrote a heartfelt letter to Joe Ross saying how much it means to him. Oh, he was no. coming to the screening. <laughs> and then he called Harvey and was like, Joe Ross is coming to the screening of this movie. It's going to be so amazing. And then he had set up like a special screening. <laughs> and he like, oh, had like God. publicity, like rent out a theater and, and like arranged for a car to be sent. And he contacted Joe, he told me to contact Joe Ross's office to like get dates and times. And so I called Joe Ross's office to set up dates and times. And of course they, they never get back to us. They don't because they've never like right. and so you know I did stuff like that and then when I realized I made the mistake I just remember like my blood running cold and being like I gotta get the fuck out of here before they find out they're just an Amanda size hole in the door. <laughs> in the door. just like running out the door oh, um, no. yeah like things like like That's things great. like that I did things like that I just was what like, was the sorry I mean okay. what's the fallout of it I the mean fallout, once they discovered did he, did no, it was did he the scream fallout at was, you or no he never discovered because basically like he didn't realize that I messed up the names. He just was like, that's so weird that Joe, I mean, maybe oh now he's somewhere in London. Listening to this. <laughs> and he's like, it all makes sense now. <laughs> it's my life. A boy, Joe Roth yeah. wanted to come to the screening and never did. Um, he has like a crazy murder wall like, <laughs> yeah. like, with like string. Like, this question was never answered why Joe Roth expressed interest yet never followed up. Like he's oh about God. to put the lethal heroin <laughs> yeah. dose, suicide dose in his arm as he's listening to this. Yeah. Well, look, uh, first of all, I'm glad he's listening. Yeah, that's true. It's very flattering. That's really yeah. nice. And I gotta say, as bad as that is, it's not like you got someone's IKEA furniture in the wrong. Yeah, it's not like I fucked up someone's IKEA right? furniture. Like that's a nightmare. Like that's an assistant being yeah. fire immediately. I'm looking at you, Jen Robinson. Um, <laughs> I was not a good assistant. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was very unhappy. Uh, there and uh, made many mistakes as a result and I wanted to be a writer and so then I got a job working for Jim Mangold the director because mm-hmm. I thought uh, he was making Copland I thought oh this will be an opportunity to see how everything is done mm-hmm. like I'll be able to see all aspects of things and find another job I can do that's not writing <laughs> and were um, you writing on your own at the time yeah okay um, but you know I just was like but I can't do that for a mm-hmm. living like that's not possible and then um, it just sort of got to the point where I was like, this is what I want to do, and I'm, and I'm going to do it. And <laughs> you couldn't so deny it I any longer. I couldn't deny it any longer, and I moved out to L.A., and I um, I moved back to L.A., and I told everybody that um, I, I heard about a job being a writer's assistant, because I had friends, I had a, my, my, my best friend came out here to be a TV writer, and she got a job as a writer's assistant, and <laughs> I, um, and I was like, oh, this is like, the fact that you can apprentice being a writer is just an incredible thing, and yeah. so that's when I told literally everybody and I remember I was at a Lakers game and I ran into some a friend of a friend of a friend I was like I'm looking for a writer's assistant job and through him he hooked me up with a writer's assistant job what Um, was that on? it was on the Oblongs which was an animated show on the WB that so good. It was so good. It was so <laughs> funny. And the room was incredible. It was run by Jace Richdale. And um, the room was um, Scott Buck, Leonard Dick, uh, Jill Soloway, Eric Friedman. I That's mean, it was crazy. like an wow. incredible, yeah. incredible room. And um, they were just incredibly supportive and um, and very cool. And so I worked as a writer's assistant on that. And I, but every weekend I would go to the Beverly Hills Library and I would and I would work on scripts and right. I just kept doing it. And um, and I mean I was there so many, I was just there all the time. I and once a homeless man asked me if I wanted to be his assistant and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not very 
very good at that. I've been fired. <laughs> right, yeah, you don't want me for <laughs> you that. You don't want me as an assistant. What would um, that entail? <laughs> I know. I was like, what? Following, pushing the well, cart? setting up a screen. I would have just been wrong. like, right, right. for a day, like just to see where <laughs> this goes. Where this goes. Also, this. how is that not a pilot? <laughs> Seriously. Um, and. Uh, and then I went over to Nikki as a writer's assistant, mm-hmm. and um, again, it was a lot of the same writers, and they were very supportive of me pitching in the room, and right. eventually they gave me the opportunity to write an episode, and I wrote an episode, and then I got promoted to um, to writer, and I just rem- and I just remember that it was a year that there was possibly going to be a strike, and they were, um, they were trying to do as many scripts as possible, and so our order was for like 24, and I I think I got promoted at when they were on episode 19 and <laughs> they and um no, at that point we'd only had 22 episodes and I got promoted mm-hmm. at 19 and then I remember they came into the room and they were like we're actually going to be doing 26 this year and all the other writers were like <laughs> They just were like, oh, and I was like, that's great! <laughs> I was so happy. I I, I was that's so funny. so excited, and um, yeah, and so that's how yeah, I. Yeah, from got, there you're sort of yeah. off and running. But I always wrote, and mm-hmm. um, and and it's so hard because it's like you just don't know if it's going to pan out, and and it feels like what you're writing is just like not working, and and um, and I wrote so many scripts that if I looked at them now, I I would it would hurt my heart, <laughs> um, but I just kept doing it. Great. Yeah. It's, it's it a good lesson. And to defend my parents, they are now incredibly supportive <laughs> and very happy that I'm a writer and very proud. Good. It is, though, true. I mean, with TV especially, is if you can just get in there, like you name the people in that room, it, yeah. it really does branch out in a way that, like, yeah. I even just look at our room at Happy Endings. I, I you know, many of those people I was introduced to. But now I'm like just going down the list. I know like Lon's Emmett, who you just had mm-hmm. in here. He's he has a pilot right now. Mm-hmm. So if that goes to series, he's hiring people. Hillary uh, Winston has mm-hmm. had has run shows and always has a pilot in contention. Uh, Prentice Penny runs um, Insecure yeah. on HBO. Groff obviously continues to run stuff. Um, Bicel and Fenner always do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Port and Gracio. Yeah, that became a sort of powerhouse uh, group. Yeah, I I mean, but, like, I I think what you're saying is really true for people trying to break in is if, I mean, that writer's assistant job is, sadly, is, like, next to impossible to get, which is very very hard to get. But if you can get it and you get in there, it's so many people, you know, really just... um, I don't know. You meet a lot of people that continue to then have their own show. Kind of back to the thing I was saying about, like, everyone's trying to do their own thing. So if mm-hmm. you can get in there and do good, like, someone in there is going to have a show and going to yeah. want you. And you it know? doesn't even have to be, like, a writer's assistant job. Like, I've worked yeah. with script coordinators yep. and, uh, who've managed to use those relationships and build. And if you, I mean, I think if you do your job that you're hired to do well and you're gracious to the people around you, that when you, you know, I know that for me, so many people helped me when I was coming up. So many people reached out to me that I feel an obligation and I want to be able to sort of turn around and, and do that. So mm-hmm. if I've worked with someone who isn't in the writer's room, but they've done their job well, they've been mm-hmm. nice, they've been decent, and they want me to read something, if I can, I, I, I try and do it. And so it does feel like, you know, those jobs pay off if you can get them mm-hmm. yeah uh, John the Groff's assistant Amy Ann, Amy Aniobi yeah um, then went on to work on a bunch of shows and now is on Insecure mm-hmm. and is also in the showrunner uh, training program at WGA and, right. and so she was 
in the room as his assistant, but not a writer's assistant, you know, so. Yeah, and, and again, those jobs are tough to come by, and it seems like the big lesson always is do the, that job well. Yeah. Uh, Don't and be also above be nice. the job. That's yeah. enough. Like, I think that... I think that's true at all levels, Yeah, at too. all levels. It's like, I think that if you just focus on doing your job well and, and don't look at, like, the next rung above you, mm-hmm. that's, like, that's a great place to be. Because I think, I mean, both of our... And they were wonderful. Like, both of our assistants, just showrunner assistants, were writers. And it's like, you know, our... I think... Our script coordinator was a writer, and yeah. all like like they were all writers. They all wanted to be, you know, they all want their own show. And it's like if you do your job well, and if you're really great, and if you're like if you're you know, positive. come to work and you're positive. Like Amanda, mm-hmm. one of the first things she said to me is, "We have a no like it's a no asshole policy." Yeah. Um, sure. And I think that you know, I like my I love sending like my favorite thing to do is like if someone like our writer's assistant uh, Cynthia, who's incredible was like, yeah, I sent my script to this person. I was like, oh, I know that person, and I emailed them. So it's like, nice. it's like you're, yeah, you want to help. Yeah, you want right. to help. That's great. I'm a little bit more sort of kicking the rungs out beneath me as I climb sure. them, which is another approach. It's good. It knocks Every, them out and yeah. fewer people, people who to yeah. Everybody's got different approaches. Yeah, you send emails, but the emails are like, this person right. fucking yeah, exactly. sucks. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's... Well, you're I, all, you're I all am nightmares. tech avail. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of ways to break in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tech avail. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys will wrap up, as we always do, by asking you what you are watching on television these days. What is getting you excited or inspired? What you were talking about with your friends, your rooms, uh, whatever. And Amanda, let's start with you. Um, Fleabag. Uh, I, I don't know the right answers. You, you no, I me. want you to tell me if it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are my choices good? Wrong. Are they approved? Wrong. That is a good choice. <laughs> uh, uh, Fleabag, Catastrophe, I Love You're the Worst. Um, what else? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna blank on everything. My husband and I really enjoy the voice. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> yes, you're rethinking do. everything, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, no, don't look at me like that. Sometimes you just need some sweetest. I get it. Absolutely. Have you seen the Great British Baking Show? No. I've watched the case and I watched that. Oh man. It's pretty good. Gentle competition. So good. Gentle competition. Get into it. Yeah. Between very nice people. Exactly. What else are you watching, David? Um, I love. Uh, Kimmy Schmidt um, and uh, Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, Better Things. things. Um, uh, NBA basketball. Um, Absolutely. Amazing uh, scripted show. <laughs> amazing scripted show. Uh, I really like Westworld. I mean, I will say, like, as not a drama writer, I tend to watch a lot of drama, and I think I can more just, like, enjoy something. And mm-hmm. I'm so could never write it that all the problems that I think people have with Westworld, like, I just don't even see. And I'm just, like, half confused, half, like, then, like, oh, that's an amazing twist. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's great. Uh, Game yeah. of Thrones, you know. Um yeah, good answer. I'm sure I'm leading up. No, Wait, you told him good answers great. and you told me there's no right. I'm still thinking. Okay. I also like Catastrophe <laughs> a lot. I think that's awesome. I have yes. not seen Fleabag, but I heard it's, it's oh, amazing. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, Take us home. <laughs> Fleabag, Atlanta. Atlanta had like one of my favorite episodes of television of, Which that I've was? seen in a really long time. It's the episode where uh, he's on that like round table yeah. and they have like all the fake commercials. What a what an inventive yeah. <laughs> half hour of television! So awesome. Um, uh, I just started watching Legion, and I love it. I think it is crazy. so cool, and it just the editing is really just everything about it feels 
such like a like a piece unto itself, which is what I respond to most, I think, yeah. in TV and what you know we tried to do with Sweet Vicious, which is like make something that just like feels authentically like this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Fleabag. I don't. I think I said that. That's the first thing I said. Um, I'm trying to think. I know, oh, I just watched. This is like not a new show. <laughs> I just watched Angels in America for the first time. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. What a revelation. <laughs> yeah. I just, I was, yeah, I, I highly recommend But uh, like as someone that was too young to appreciate yeah. it when it came out, and I just never got around to it because I was like, oh God, uh, so sad. Uh, it, it was so, it's like going back and kind of finding the things that I was too young for or like mm-hmm. wasn't going to appreciate and watching them now has been awesome, especially as a writer and That's really cool. filmmaker. So I think that I, to millennials out there, like, like all this stuff that like people are like, this is really good, and you've never watched it. Watch it. <laughs> like watch all of those things. I can't wait till you find out. Angels in America is the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. No, I watch. I watch a lot. I watch a lot. I don't want to spoil the ending for you, but it's. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, um, but things like things yeah, like that's that. Great. Can I say two more real quick before we? Uh, I'll allow it because one just started, okay. so I feel like I want to give a shout out and I also really uh, I know one of the guys a little bit and I love him is a show called Detroiters just started mm-hmm. on um, Comedy super Central and it's pilot. super it's funny, funny. Um, both of the I mean both those guys are so funny um, and then also Insecure which I mentioned earlier uh, Prentice's the show Prentice runs I just think is awesome it's a great show and I feel like not enough people are talking about it that's why I wanted to say these two more I the appreciate end. but I do think people are talking about I mean they're winning awards and things aren't are they, they? Uh, I don't pay attention to awards that's not why <laughs> I do this. I only watch. I'm actually reading. You said, "What am I watching?" I'm reading like the the Golden Globe nominees right here. It's my favorite show. I want to be safe. (laughs) Thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here today. Uh, I feel like we only barely got into it. Will you all come back and talk sometime as this group? Yeah, Yeah. of course. (laughs) We're very interconnected. I feel like you have to tell people the connections between the three. Do you want to tell them right now? Well, Amanda's parents were my first. Which you mentioned. Yeah. Oh, did I say that on the air? Yeah. Okay. and, uh, <laughs> and if you, you, you were Casey's assistant, my room. wife's assistant for <laughs> yeah, a brief period. For a brief so. period of time. We won't like, get into super it. No, yeah. yeah, very brief. I'm not, it's not, wasn't for, like, you being, like, working really hard at something and being good at that thing doesn't have to be the same thing. <laughs> no, I was an assistant at an art gallery and they had a big show in, like, South America and I packed up all the DVD players for all the video art and sent it down there and they got down there and they called me and they were like, you didn't put the remotes in. <laughs> And so video art has oh to play God. on a loop, yeah. so they couldn't put it on repeat because there were no... Oh, for God's sake. And I was fired. It's <laughs> amazing. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 